All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Precision Rifle Channel podcast. I am here with my very, very good friend, Mr. Josh Clough. Josh, how are you today, sir? Doing fantastic, Travis. Good to see you, buddy. Glad to be on, man. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So, everybody that is not familiar with who you are, can you give us a quick rundown of, you know, who you are, what you do, why you're important to the industry, or why we think you're important to the industry? Sure. No, absolutely. Uh, so obviously, Josh Clough, I'm the vice president of sales and marketing for HS Precision. So we uh, I've been here for almost 15 years now. Um, it's a great fit for me. I'm very passionate about the outdoor industry in general. I love to hunt, fish, shoot. Uh, so, you know, everybody always wants to have a career in, in an industry in which they're passionate about. So this has been an absolute great fit for me. Awesome. So about two years ago, roughly, you started into the competitive precision rifle market hole, rabbit hole, <laughs> so yeah. to speak. How has that adventure been for you? Uh, it's been great. I tell you, uh, it's, um, you know, both on a personal level and from a company standpoint, uh, has been very advantageous. So. You know, I always considered myself a fairly prolific long-range shooter Instead, I start, until I started shooting the NRL uh, and realized very quickly that uh, I have a lot of room to improve upon. Uh, but it's been great. We've learned a ton about our product and how it stacks up against some of the others that are out there. Uh, our product is a fantastic product that I believe uh, can compete very, very well. Uh, I unfortunately have not done it justice myself, but uh, I continually am, am working at it, trying to get better. I'm trying to spend some time actually practicing and, and going through the ropes a little bit, but it's been, um, I just absolutely love the competitive side of it. Um, you know, and just the camaraderie that you see out at the NRL. I mean, there's so many fantastic people and just a bunch of great like-minded individuals going out there and, and trying to bang steel. I couldn't agree with you more. For those of you that have not had the opportunity to meet Josh, he's, um, I'm going to kind of, Give you some accolades here, brother. Um, sure. Josh and I met roughly two and a half, three years ago, something like that. Um, and at first, you know, I just, another competitor, you know, uh, good guy. Um, and then over time, we started spending more and more time together hanging out. And Josh, I, you know, I consider Josh like my family. He's like my brother. He's a, a phenomenal dude. He always makes you laugh. He's always got a smile on his face. He's always yelling out the boom shakalaka. <laughs> <laughs> boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka. Um, and, and Joss is just a, a great ambassador for the sports and for the 2A community and just a wealth of knowledge and, and a good time. So if you guys ever see Josh out at a match, go up and say hi to him because I, I guarantee you there's nothing to be as scared of unless you're scared of a big bear hug because he's just a, a solid dude. Um, I appreciate that, man. Oh, man. I, I I could go on for hours about you, but, you know, it's uh, it gets a little bit weird after the first couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. <laughs> but what I want to talk about today more so, you know, obviously we're going to talk about your, your shooting career, but HS Precision. So HS Precision right now, you know, for the most part, um, everybody looks at it as a hunting rifle. 
I mean, you guys dominate the market. You guys are like the Ferrari of the hunting world. You guys make a phenomenal rifle, a phenomenal platform. Um, and you are also, a lot of people don't know, you guys have a tactical background, though. Can you kind of right. go into the history of HS Precision and, and the different markets that you guys cater to? Yeah, absolutely, Travis. Be happy to. So, uh, you know, most people, when they think of HS Precision industry-wide, they know us uh, for our stocks mainly. Um, you know, so we obviously, we produce on average of about thirty to 40,000 stocks annually. Um, and, you know, we provide them on an OEM basis to some of your big, well-named well-known manufacturers, uh, Remington, Savage, Howa, Weatherby, um, working on a couple different projects right now currently. So, um, you know, our, we're most well-known for our stocks, but we also uh, are very well-known for our complete line of, of custom rifles from our hunting to lightweight hunting rifles, heavy tactical rifles, everything in between. Um, this is, we're actually this year celebrating our 40th, 41st year, actually. We actually celebrated our 40th anniversary last year. Um, so we've been around the block for quite some time. Um, and, you know, we, we have our hands in, in multiple areas. Obviously, we build our own custom rifles. We build our own stocks. Um, but along those lines, kind of what separates us from a lot of the other customer, semi-custom rifle manufacturers out there is the fact that we build absolutely every single component of our rifles. So, you know, you can get a, a, a custom or semi-custom rifle manufacturer that'll take a barrel from one company, a stock from another company, a trigger from another company, and basically just do the complete build or the assembly, which is absolutely great. And they build fantastic rifles that way. The difference with us is we build every single component. We build the barrel. We build the action. We build the bolt. We build the trigger. We build the firing pin, the magazine box. Absolutely everything is built by us so we can control every aspect of it. So uh, we're not relying on somebody else to supply us with a product or a piece or a component that goes into our finished product that may or may not beat our quality control standards. So, you know, and to hit on that a little bit more, not only the fact that we build every single component, we build all of our own tooling to build every single component. We engineer and design our manufacturing dies, our stamp dies for the magazine boxes. We build all of our own chamber reamers. We build all of our own rifling heads. So we are completely 100% soul sufficient on everything that we do. And it just goes back to the fact that we take pride in what we do. And ultimately, uh, we feel the consumer sees that value at the end. That is huge. I am not aware of any other manufacturer in this industry that does all of that. I mean, is there anybody else that does that? We aren't either. There's a lot of other companies that build the majority of the components. Uh, but to my knowledge, we're the only one that build absolutely every single component of the gun. That That is mind-blowing. And on top of that, you build the tooling to build the custom rifle as well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So we, we've got uh, a, a guy who's been building our chamber reamers in-house, our rifling heads and toolings for 25, 30-plus years now. Uh, an incredible individual, very sharp. Um, and, you know, speaking of the, the tooling for the NRL side of things is, is, you know, we've always built everything strictly to minimum SAMI specs. So as right. we get into the long-range precision, you start um, – thinking about different specs on chamber reamer to seat the bullet out a little bit longer uh, and things of that nature. So I've gone to our, our tool maker and our chamber reamer guy said, hey, this is what I want to shoot. I'm going to switch from a 6.5 by 47 to a 6 by 47. 
need you to build me a room here to these specs. He looks at it, he's like, yep, no problem. So uh, <laughs> it, it's nice having that ability to have everything in-house and to be able to to change the specs as you see fit. So if you have enough seniority at HS Precision, it's pretty much an adult's playground for shooting. You know, it really is. I have uh, some some tremendous perks. I mean, we have a 100-yard state-of-the-art underground facility here uh, with a 100-yard range. It has an Oler 85 hooked up to it, so it has four strategically placed microphones that will measure the group size based on the sound the projectile makes as it passes through these screens. It does a computer-generated printout that's more accurate than you could measure the group size with a pair of calipers. So, you know, I'd wow. put our guns up on 100-yard groups all day long. Now, me shooting from a barricade is a completely different story. <laughs> Josh is – um, you have come – so to take a side note, you have come a very long way since the first time I met you shooting. I mean, your, your skill set and uh, dedication to the sport is phenomenal, and we'll talk more about that later. But, um, Josh, um, so not only is everything American-made – not only is everything made in-house, but you guys can change things on the fly. Yeah, we certainly can. You know, in the last couple of years here, we've had uh, some major changes going on in our company internally. So we've always been a very innovative company in the past, and we've fallen by the wayside the last few years because we've been so far behind in production. Um, so we've got a new chief operating officer that's came in. Uh, and really put a big investment in new machinery, personnel. Uh, we've got some more engineers in-house. We're constantly increasing our work production, uh, increasing the number of employees that we have, making investments in machinery. Uh, and one of the new machines that we recently picked up here is going to be a game changer inside the industry. We've done a few things to throw some teasers out there and have talked to some people, but we have got a new state-of-the-art three-dimensional laser scanning machine that'll actually scan the internal diameter bore groove dimensions everything inside the barrel so we've worked very closely wow. with sammy yeah exactly I and mean, it's a huge investment on our part for not a huge company like a remington or a savage or so on and so forth but uh this technology is absolutely unbelievable and we're the only ones currently utilizing it to truly measure validate and give the the customer, the end user, an actual data of what the barrel looks like internally. What we've done, that, so basically how it works is there's a probe. It goes on and it's a big uh, machine that goes in there. It's hooked to a computer and it's got program software, everything of that nature. And it'll actually do a three-dimensional laser throughout the entire barrel that will tell you every finite detail inside the barrel. And it also comes with graphs charts, visual images, absolutely everything. So we've always been very confident in the fact that we build the best and most accurate barrel in the industry. Well, now the proof's in the pudding. We can validate that with good hardcore data. That That's phenomenal. So, okay, so all of this technology going into the build of the rifles and the barrel and the customization, Walk me through the process. If I called you up as Joe Blow from off the street and I said, hey, uh, Josh, or to one of your sales guys, I want to build a precision rifle to compete in the NRL PRS style matches. Uh, what do I do? I have no idea. What, I don't know where to start. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, Will can certainly walk you through that process in there with us is, is our goal is to build the customer exactly what they want. You're not limited to a one standard caliber or color or barrel length options. You tell us exactly what you want. We build it to your specs. If you're not sure of what you want, we'll aid in that process. We'll talk about calibers. We'll talk about barrel length. We'll talk about twist rate. We'll talk about weight of the gun, optics, accessories, muzzle brakes, things of that nature, and basically make sure that by the time you're done with that phone call, you're 100% confident about your selections and you're excited about it. We build everything on a pre-order basis. Right now, our current production time is averaging about three to four months on the custom-built guns. But we'll go to the customer and say, okay, hey, this is the caliber I want. Okay, well, what type of projectiles you want to shoot with it? We'll make sure you get the best uh, twist rate to to be optimal for that one as far as barrel length. Um, you know, and we'll basically spec it out. They can select any type of color options. We have over 12 million different configurations from barrel length to twist rate to accessories to, to Cerakote options wow. to magazine boxes, capacities. Um, basically, the sky is the limit. But our goal when we're talking to the customers, whether it's a long-range precision shooter, military, law enforcement, tactical side of things to your, your standard hunter uh, is to get them their dream rifle. They're going to spec it out. They're going to tell us exactly what they want, uh, and we're going to build it to their specs. We guarantee all of our rifles, 30 caliber or less, half inch or better. We test fire every single rifle. If it doesn't shoot half inch or better, we won't send it out. We'll correct it right at the beginning. Um, you know that doesn't happen very often, but there's times where, you know, we we'll, we build everything up. We control every aspect, but you know the proof is in the pudding. The gun simply. Um, you know, it may shoot three quarters of an inch all day long, but it, for whatever reason, is not shooting a half inch. So if it doesn't shoot that half inch, we'll get it fixed before it even leaves. That That's phenomenal. I mean, three to four month lead time for a complete rifle build in reality is not that long. I mean, some of these other stock companies, you're waiting six to nine months just to get the stock, not even the action or the barrel. You're absolutely right, and we have made a huge vested interest in machine and personnel to cut that delivery time down. For example, in years past, you know, like I said, I'm going on my 15th year here, uh, and years past, average production time on custom rifles been 12, 8 to 12 months. Right. Uh, so, you know, the biggest thing with with that in the past, we've always ran off of a very strict lean manufacturing process. So here. The last couple of years, we've gone away from the lean manufacturing process. We've biggest holdup from our standpoint in the past have been the components, the receivers, the bolts, the triggers, the firing pins, uh, things of that nature. So now we've got it set up. We're running multiple shifts. We're constantly running those parts. So now when a customer calls us up and orders a complete rifle, the only thing we really have to build, so to speak, or the machine is going to be the barrel and the stock. Uh, so we we'll already have the bolt. Uh, with the proper bolt face configuration, we've got the receiver, the safety, the trigger, all the major core components besides the barrel and the stock. Then we schedule the barrel into production, uh, we'll get the stock into production, and then we do the complete assembly. So, uh, you know, the processes are the same. We can't, really can't rush what we do. However, we now have in, invested interest on our part to carry some of that internal inventory instead of building everything strictly on a pre-order basis. Right. We've also taken that a little bit farther on our barrels. In years past, we've never been able to offer our barrels. So we make a, a cut rifle, a 10X cut rifle barrel that has only been available strictly on rifles until this last year. We started, as we caught up in production and improved some of our processes, 
we can now go back and start offering barrel blanks. So, you know, we're still quite a bit uh, behind on some of the barrel blanks itself. But when we do have a free spot in production, we can run some of our most standard barrel contours, twist rates, profiles, and, and lengths, and then actually start to, to shelf some of those and put them in inventory. We haven't been able to build up in any inventory yet, but um, as we get and move a little bit further along, we'll be able to start carrying some of those and make those much more readily available as well. So basically, in short, you're saying within the next you know short period of time here, I'll be able to call up H Precision, HS Precision, sorry, and order a barrel blank to rechamber my action that I already have at home, even if it's not a HS action. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So our blanks itself, awesome. we offer various different contours, uh, any twist rate, any barrel length, you name it. That's phenomenal. So with that being said, you know, the past four or five matches that you and I have seen each other at, you no joke have brought out like four to five, sometimes six rifles per match. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you found to be the perfect rifle setup for you? Now, it's not the same for everybody, but for you. What, what are you shooting? What is your, your bad boy right now, considering you bring out a golf ball, I mean a golf bag full of rifles? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of I've been very fortunate enough to meet a lot of really good friends uh, and very close friends the past few years that I've been doing this. And every time I show up to a match, all of them just give me a ton of heck because of that. So I'll explain that and I'll tell you exactly why I do that. Uh, obviously, we're up in the great state of, of South Dakota in Rapid City. Wintertime's brutal. I don't get a chance to shoot outside very much. So most of the times when I come to a match, they're in a little bit warmer weather conditions. Uh, and this is actually an opportunity for me to go and practice a little bit. So, you know, like uh, a case in point, I went to, uh, what was it, um, Idaho here four weeks, six weeks ago, whatever it was. Uh, you know, a lot of that area around the match in Idaho was all public land. So I threw a bunch of targets in, in the back of the truck. Uh, you know, I go to the side today and everything, that's great. But I'm like, you know what? Hey, I haven't got a chance to practice much. I threw six or eight targets in the back of the truck, went out to the public land, set them up. I had six rifles. I had my match rifle, which is a 6x47 Lapua um, that I've been shooting. Uh, that was the first match I actually switched over to a 6mm. Uh, and then we've got a bunch of what we call shop rifles, which are basically just demo rifles that we use for customer events, uh, long-range shoots, just PR-type stuff. Right. Uh, so I brought those up and I'll get my match rifle all dialed in and, and check my zero and true my velocity or true my dope, check my velocity. And then I'll grab one of those shop rifles and I still, I feel so bad for those things because they, I just get abused. You know, I'll shoot 20 <laughs> and I'll shoot 20 and 30 shot strings without letting them cool down and, and just absolutely put them to the test. And I'll do you know, I'll use the edge of my truck for a barricade. And, you know, the goal is to try to obviously talk to some of the real experienced shooters is to get off your belly and just practice. And so, you know, I'll do that. I go to the mindset. I'll have one dedicated match rifle and the rest of the ones that are practiced. I've got, a, you know, a bunch of 6.5 Creedmoor, 6 millimeter Creedmoors, 223 Remington, a 22 Creedmoor, a 224 Valkyrie. That Valkyrie is just, I shoot the heck out of that little thing and, and just love it. So, yeah, I'm a little bit of an oddball when it comes to that side, but it, it uh, gives me a chance to practice a little bit, get warmed up before the match. Um, I like to think it helps 
maybe it uh, the showings in some of the matches probably don't prove that, but that's mainly is just give me a chance to practice a little bit. Nice, very nice. So, your actual match rifle, run us through it. What is what you said is six uh, six forty seven Lapua. Correct. Uh, barrel length, stock. What optic are you running? What twist? Yeah, absolutely. So it's our HTR, which is our heavy tactical rifle. So it's basically the same rifle that we build under a law enforcement contract for the FBI, same one we build under military contract for the Israeli Defense Forces. The only difference with, with my match rifle is I use a slightly larger barrel contour. So our standard HTR uh, is a taper uh, down to 0 .950 at the muzzle, which this one is I've, I've learned and gotten better uh, – or gotten more advice anyway from some of the top shooters uh, and as the trends go is, is to add weight. So basically what I did is I did a 1.2 straight contour barrel. There is no taper to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, very funny. Long story short, originally, uh, so we run barrel blanks. So I issued to our production department a barrel blank um, that was going to be a 28-inch finish length. So generally when we do blanks, we leave, you know, about an inch and a half on the muzzle end, an inch and a half on the chamber end. So allow the gunsmiths to something to grab a hold of their machines and then they'll crown it and chamber it. So that additional length gets taken off. Well, because this one was in particular was a 1.2 straight contour, had my gunsmith here chamber it up uh, and it ended up being a 30 and a half inch barrel. So. Uh, it was, it's a long uh, it, barrel. it is a long barrel and it's 1.2. Uh, it's a, you know, just a straight contour. So it's a big, heavy beast. I ended up, uh, you know, our standard HTR is about a 12 pound rifle. And by the time you put scope on it and everything, it's about 16 pounds. So, uh, I ended up getting this one with this giant barrel and everything scope, uh, magazine box, bipod, everything on there is about 23 pounds. I was trying to get to 25, but got it up to about 23 pounds. It's a six by 47 Lapua. Uh, I have been shooting a 6.5 by 47 Lapua uh, and wanted to switch from a 6.5 down to a 6 millimeter. Um, and, you know, I've got the six creeds that shoot really, really good, but I've had such good success with that 6.5 47 being super consistent. I wanted to try its its little brother. Uh, and like I said, so I've shot two matches with it now. I shot the one in Idaho, uh, and I shot really, really well there for myself. Uh, the mover stage, I have a nemesis against those things. They've been kicking my butt. Uh, but the, so, and then I just shot here in Washington a couple of weeks ago or last weekend, actually, last weekend, yeah. um, yeah, with the six by 47. So those have been my first two matches with the six millimeter. And I think I'm going to stick with that. I, so in those two matches that I've had that one, I've already put 1200 rounds through the barrel, just practicing work and load development <laughs> and just, you know, and I don't treat it as well as I possibly should. So very long story short, as soon as we came back, I had talked to a couple guys up there and I said, you know, What's the barrel life expectancy? And looking at that, most of the sixes, you know, it's around that 1,200. You want to start thinking about getting another barrel on it. Uh, so I came back on Monday, uh, got my barrel back to the guys in the shop, said, hey, let's do a setback on this thing. We're going to cut two and a half, three inches off, rechamber it. Did that, got it done on Tuesday, went downstairs in our tunnel this morning uh, and shot three consecutive back-to-back -back groups with three different loads. So, and and it, all three of them were 0.26 inches. So the chances of that nice. are extremely rare. But so that's the first time I've actually ever done a setback on a barrel. I'm getting ready for the Nebraska match next weekend. So it should be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting. Any match that we're at together is always interesting. Yeah, you know, life's too short not to have fun. You enjoy what you do. Be passionate about it. 
and enjoy yourself. It's simple, easy, 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 simple, right? I agree, buddy. It's just uh, us humans tend to make life difficult. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's that's just the mindset I've had, regardless of what I'm doing. I'm an ultra competitive person, but I like to enjoy myself and I like to have fun. Like I said, life's too short not to have fun, man. So speaking on your positive attitude, you know, when we see individuals get ultra competitive, you know, they're, they're chasing after those points or they're chasing after that goal or, or whatever it is. Um, people can oftentimes get frustrated with themselves when they don't make that shot or they make a, a mental error or whatever it is. How is it that you stay so positive? Cause I've seen you go out in clean stages and you're super excited and I've seen you in the past zero stages and you're like, man, I should have done this. And then you still have a smile on your face and you're like, I'm going to go conquer that next stage. And that mental fortitude and strength is hard for a lot of people to grasp. How do you do it? You know, that that's a good point in there. Uh, you know, I'm not a good enough shooter to really get upset when I screw up. Uh, so, you know, that part of it makes it makes it really easy. Uh, but a lot of it stems from, you know, my past background, I guess, and things in growing up, you know, I was, I've always been a very competitive person. Um, you know, I played football, basketball, baseball, and golf throughout high school. Uh, I played professional golf for six years, played the mini tours and did that. And so golf, you know, that, that's the funny part about it is the shooting. You see some of the t-shirts about long range precision rifle, things of that nature. It's like, it's like golf, but for men. You know, right. and so golf has always kind of got a bad rap. It's not being a much of a manly sport, but golf is, uh, you know, like I said, I played professionally for almost eight years, I guess. Uh, but but speaking on that real quick, a lot of the top shooters like Jake Weber, John Pinch, Matt Brousseau, all these guys are, are avid golfers as well. Yeah, you know, it, it, it really ties in. And, you know, I think a lot of it was from the golf side of things, you know, I'd hit a bad shot and as soon as you're done, as soon as you hit the shot, it's done. You can't go back. You can't redo it. You know, it's over and done with. And I learned that the hard way when I was, you know, when I was growing up and first started playing golf or baseball or basketball, all that stuff. I mean, I, I was a poor sport, man. I had a bad attitude. I'd get I'd get super pissed off and and just pout and whine like a little baby. And and uh, it's about 12 years old. My dad, uh, I was playing at a he was in the propane business and had a convention. And it was with his bosses and some of the upper management stuff. And I hit a bad shot and I threw my club down and I thought my dad was literally going to rip my head off, you know? Right. And so we had a big, long talk about it. And then I was playing in a, a junior golf tournament uh, later on that summer. And I seen this kid that did the same thing, was just throwing his clubs and whining and being a little pouty, little punk. And I looked at him like, man, is that me? So from that day on, it just really registered with me and I was about 12. And so from then on there forth, I, you know, tried to keep a positive attitude about it. It didn't want to look like a whiny little punk, you know? Right. And, and so it, it's made it easy from the shooting side. As soon as you send, as soon as you pull that trigger, there's been a lot of times like, Oh man, I know I'm just off the left and I shouldn't have sent it. And you know, my ADHD kicks in and I'm like, just send it again, send it again. <laughs> I'm not stable. And you know, so it's just, it's over and done with. I try to remain as, as upbeat and positive. And, you know, there's a lot of times I want it back, but it doesn't it doesn't do you any good to pout and whine about it. Right. I agree. Now, you also mentioned something that you and I have talked about quite a bit over the, the past couple of years. And 
when you and I first started hanging out and I'm, you know, watching you shoot closely, your time management was horrible. You were the (laughs) fastest person to get two points on a 10 point stage with a minute left over. (laughs) Dude. Go ahead. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So, you know, when, when uh, it's, that's still a struggle that I have to this day, you know, I, uh, I don't know something about it. That clock goes and it hits in there, and I'm just like, bah, 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 bah. well, you got two out of ten. Congratulations, you know. And so, I, I, still to this day, I, I have to tell myself to just slow down and calm down. So I started putting the timer up, and uh, you know, I've gotten better. But like this last match, you know, in in uh, in Washington, I was doing pretty good at the beginning, and then I got into a funk during the middle of the match where I just kept sending it, man. And I wasn't, my crosshairs weren't settled and I, I knew I wasn't in a good position. I didn't take the time. And, and so that's one thing that I struggle with a lot. I have worked very hard to try and slow down a little bit. And this last match, I actually ran out of time a couple of times. So, you know, that was my goal to slow down and, and really make a good shot. Cause they say you can't miss fast enough to make up points, which is right. true. And, and, uh, so I'll, I think that'll be an internal battle for me always. I like to just send it, man. <laughs> so, but what have you done to calm down? Because I personally, you know, I've noticed that. And I've, and I've said it a couple of times. Dude, you're slowing down. You're getting more shots. That's awesome. You know, what, what have you done to slow down? Are you just mentally saying, hey, take your time when you're, you know, on your course of fire? Or is it something that you're practicing? What is it? Because a lot of people have time management issues and when you look at the top shooters you know yeah they can shoot fast if they want but when you watch them on a stage you'll see that oftentimes they don't have very much time left over and they seem like they're moving very slow but they're very accurate and they're always you know 95 percent of the time within their time limit so what have you done or have you done anything found a solution to kind of calm down and, and, and take your time? Well, yeah, that's been it. I've, I've watched the good shooters. Uh, you know, I've watched the John Pinches and the Austin Orgains, Jerry Carlos, Jake Verberts, and those guys. You're absolutely right, you know. Uh, and the one guy I rely on a lot is is, is John Pinch. I mean, I, I talk to John all the time. I feel bad for him. I'm constantly shooting him texts. Hey, man, what do you think about this? And just re- really relying on John to give me a lot of the information because he's obviously, um, you know, one of the top shooters. Uh, so, you know, I've watched him, uh, in Sacramento, I did a match and I was in his squad. That's the first time I've been in a squad with what I would consider a real elite shooter. I've shot with some fantastic and really good shooters in the past, but just kind of, I sat back at that match and, and stood back and just kind of watch and, and see how he approached stages. Uh, you know, and he'd shoot the stage and I'd shoot the stage and it'd be completely different, you know, and right. he'd, he'd get 10 out of 10 and, you know, break that last shot right as the buzzer went off. And I'd get four out of 10 and have 38 seconds left, you know? So I, that's been the biggest thing. And from the practice side of things, I started putting a clock on there because, you know, I'd go out and shoot outside and and just try to get off my belly, work on barricades. And usually a barricade is the the edge of my truck or the tailgate or something, you know, and I ended up building my own barricade and, and I've broken a couple of times, but uh, (laughs) you know, just trying to get off my belly. But, and so, also in doing that is to set up a timer on there, you know, set it for two minutes. And the first, you know, six, 10 shot strings I did like that, it was like a minute 20. 
and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just seriously, you know, what? And I'm thinking I'm slowing down. And so finally I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do it and I'm going to set it two minutes. And my goal is to make it through the two minutes before I fired all 10 shots. And I get there and I'm like down to my last two. And I'm, I'm like, okay, really focus, focus, focus. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I'm like, man, I must not have hit the timer. So I get up, I get I shoot to my last two. I get up, I go to the timer and there's still like 15 seconds left. And I'm like, okay. So I have some serious issues. I just, uh, <laughs> It's been very, very hard for me to do that. And now I got to the point, you know, the last couple of matches, like I said, I, I've timed out, but it's been towards that last shot. And it's really helped me from the standpoint of I get in there and I get in an unstable position and I don't take the time to make it stable and I don't take the time to really set up my crosshairs. I just squeeze the trigger and pray, you know. And so now I've got to the point where I'm like, okay, I know I'm not stable. I'm going to either let it settle or rebuild that position. Uh, and it's helped absolutely tremendously um you know i still have a very long ways to go uh you know i know i can't compete with with the, those big boys but you know my goal at every match is to to get a top 10 uh, i have no inclination or in any way shape or form that i think that i can compete with those big guys but i think if i continue to work at it you know the goal of of getting in that top 10 uh although very lofty is achievable uh, you know, the last couple of matches, uh, I was 20th and 25th, respectively. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, that's the problem. You know, maybe my goal should be back to the top 20 because now the fields are so stiff and there's so many good shooters out there uh, that that it's it's tough, man. You know, I, I think the goal of top 10 is a totally achievable goal for you. I mean, I remember the first year uh, watching you, you know, you're in that bottom half. Uh, you know the of the field and now you're consistently in that you know top 30 uh top 20 you know mark and i i think with your passion your dedication um a top 10 isn't too far off for you yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna keep giving her heck man to try to get there um you know if i can great if not i'm still gonna go out there and have a lot of fun and enjoy it as, as much as i can you know it's kind of bittersweet for me because i am uh, so ultra competitive, you know, I want to, I want to be at the, a better shooter. I want to be considered, uh, you know, in that top 10. Uh, but I also am very realistic as well. Uh, I haven't put enough time and effort in to do it. I try to do it as much as I possibly can. Uh, with my work schedule, I travel quite frequently. Uh, you know, I've got, uh, four beautiful girls, my wife and three daughters, um, uh, you know, so I want to spend as much time with them as I possibly can as well. So it's just all trying to juggle it, just like everybody else that's out there. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to continue to work at it, and I'll let the cards fall where they do. Um, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. So with the growth of the sport over the past couple of years and Precision Rifle arguably being one of the fastest-growing markets in the, the firearms industry right now, where do you see the sport of competitive shooting competitive rifle shooting going yeah absolutely i only continue to see it grow and that's why we've been very passionate as a company uh to get involved and 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 promote and support the nrl uh number one we believe very strongly with what you guys do obviously it's a competitive league but the nrl is focused in growing the sport itself it's a very tight-knit community uh and what you guys have accomplished in a very short 
period of time is absolutely fantastic. So uh, kudos to you and your entire organization. But the growth of the long-range precision, absolutely. The growth of the long-range precision sports is is something that, that I've wanted HS Precision to be involved in uh, and continue to be involved in because what's happening, and, and everybody in the industry can seize it, whether people want to admit it or not, but the hunting side of thing has gotten so commercialized these days that it's expensive. You know, if you want to go on a guided hunt or a private land hunt somewhere, it's you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, right. Obviously, getting some of your comp rifles, you're going to spend a lot of money in there. But once you have the initial investment, yeah, obviously, the, the ammunition side of things can get expensive and the traveling side of things. But just going out and shooting steel, um, you know, is a lot more economical than, than trying to book some of these hunts, which I, you know, there's not a person that I know of that is more passionate about hunting than I am. I would hunt anything with any weapon at any point in time I possibly can get a tag for. But obviously realizing from a business perspective, a lot of these kids that are that are growing up now aren't going to have the opportunity to hunt because it's got so expensive. But, you know, so now they're getting into some of the shooting, whether it's three gun or long range precision rifle or NRL 22. Uh, you know, that's that's a big part of of how I see our company growing in the future is getting involved with that because it's going to be much more prevalent than you know and this is just the tip of the iceberg right now it's it's grown tremendously the past few years and i only see it getting bigger and bigger that's that's awesome i i agree with you i think that the the sport is still at its infancy even though it's been around for several several years already um the popularity of the sport is just in, insane the, the growth um I mean, this year alone, our anticipated growth for the NRL from competitors um, has almost tripled, which is insane. And yeah, it, and it's such a unique sport. I mean, you think about from the matches to go out there and and realize how unique it is. You got guys out there that are competing that are trying to win, you know, and then. The same group of people, and, and I mean, 99.9% of these guys that are out there would give you the shirt off their back. They're getting up there. They're going to clean the stage 10 out of 10. They're going to give you the wind call. They're going to let you borrow a bag. Um, you know, just a, a very tight-knit community filled with a bunch of really good shooters, but more importantly, great people. You know, I don't know of any other sport that you can go out there. Uh, you know, I mean, golf, for example, you're not allowed to share information. It's a penalty. You know, you get out there on the shooting sports and, and these these National Rifle League matches and your entire squads and people on other squads are, are trying to help everybody succeed. You know, at the end of the day, you know, the top shooters are going to want to beat everybody that's out there. But you still see them uh, trying to be as helpful to everybody else that they walk around, new shooters that come out, uh, you know, just I mean, the very first match I shot three years ago. I didn't have anything. I didn't have a Kestrel. I didn't have a ballistic solution. I didn't have a shooting bag. I had one of our HTR rifles and factory ammo. And I showed up. I had no idea what was going on. I get to first stage. There's 10 guys that I had never even met before. And, you know, I'm shooting off of some type of barricade. My only long-range shooting ever has been prone. And you shoot once <laughs> and you say, okay, I was a little bit left. And, you know, me to move a little to the right or a little bit low or whatever. So that very first stage, the next stage, there's a guy in my squad that said, okay, well, this is what the wind's doing. You know, you know, 
do this and gave me the shooting bags and I'm like this is absolutely awesome so from that very first match from that time I was absolutely hooked nice very cool so we've talked about precision the precision rifle sports uh, quite a bit um, let's also talk about your hunting background you know, let's, let's uh, kind of go, go into that because you, like you'd mentioned before, you're an avid hunter. I mean, you have gone on some bucket list type hunts. Uh, you've been very fortunate enough to do that. And we talked about hunting becoming more and more commercialized. But what is it? I mean, that market it is so huge. It's crazy for us not to recognize that market. And there's a lot of people that are coming from the hunting sports into the competitive rifle sports. What is the, the crossover between it? I mean, is there a big difference in gear from a manufacturer's standpoint? Is There's obviously difference in skill sets. But how hard is it to go from the hunting world to a competitive rifle match? Uh, you know, it's actually, it's a fairly easy transition uh, with the exception of you got to, you know, when you're transitioning from the hunting side to the competitive rifle side, the competitive rifle side is a great venue for practicing, for becoming a better, a more proficient shooter. Uh, the hunting side of things obviously is completely different. You know, on the hunting sides, you're looking more um, lighter weight rifles, easier to pack around, um, you know, heavier calibers. Most of the stuff that we shoot in the precision rifle are small calibers, um, you know, to manage that recoil. We're on the hunting side, obviously, a lot lighter rifles heavier um type of recoil type rifles uh, but you know it's a great venue on the long range precision rifle to become a more proficient shot which ultimately is going to help you on the hunting sector you know i grew up hunting and fishing since i was five years old my dad uh you know he would take me up in the mountains of arizona i grew up in the white mountains of arizona some of the best elk hunting in the world uh and you know so he started me at a very young age you know i'd help uh, you know, set up camp and, and help him call an elk and split firewood and shoot squirrels with my slingshot. And, you know, just been, um, it's, it's always been passion. You're absolutely correct. I am very fortunate in, in the job that I have and the position that I have has allowed me the opportunity to hunt all over the world from Africa to Argentina to Alaska, Canada. Um, you know, I've been on some absolutely epic hunts that without, this job I would have never had the opportunity to do so I'm extremely uh, fortunate and extremely grateful for those opportunities and and uh, I don't take them for granted it's it's an absolute joy and the, and the passion that I have for hunting is is there's there's not a thing out there uh, other than my family and my girls that I'm more passionate about it's to, to harvest an animal, uh, to be on those experiences. You know, we go on hunts and regardless whether you harvest the animal or not, just the memories, the adventures, the trips are stuff that, that, you know, will absolutely last a lifetime. And, and, you know, I share those adventures from a young age with my dad and every hunt that I go on, I come back and the first person I call is my old man. I'm like, Hey, nice. you know, we did this. And it's just, uh, those, those memories and those adventures, people that, that, that don't hunt or haven't experienced them just don't realize how special they truly are. I agree. I agree. I'm, um, I just started hunting about four, maybe five years ago. 
And so far, it's been great hiking trips with a rifle. So I, I have still yet to harvest, truly harvest an animal. But um, it's all about the adventure. Like you said, it's all about the camaraderie, spending time with, you know, your friends, your family, the campfires, the, you know, the stuff that at the at the time, you're like, this sucks, you know, crawling through briar patches or whatever it is, hiking up huge hills and not being able to, you know, see or harvest anything. But then you get back to camp and you're like, that was fun. You know, that was hard work, but it's something that, you you know, it's a, it's something that a lot of people don't get to do. And, you know, some of your experiences that we've had the opportunity to talk about, I mean, some of the places it seems to me, and I, it could be my ignorance, but it seems like very few people have ever been in those areas, some of the areas that you've been. And that to me is just magical. Yeah, you know, I mean, I did a, I did a uh, Alaska caribou hunt six or seven years ago, and it was one of those that uh, just have a charter service. They fly you in, drop you off in the middle of nowhere. Ten days later, they come back and pick you up, and you're hiking through the muskag and up and over the mountains. And I, I literally hiked for basically seven days, just up and down, and I don't know how many miles I covered, and just miserable conditions. It snowed on us. It was absolutely miserable, but seven days before I finally saw a caribou, and the eighth day I shot the caribou, the ninth day I packed him out, finished packing him up on the tenth day, and then the the airplane flew back in and picked us up. You know that was one of the best adventures and the best hunts I've ever been on. That was just seven pure days of agony. That's awesome. Um, you know, and so I explain that stories to people that don't hunt. And it's like, well, you know, you're out there and hiking, you know, ten, fifteen miles a day in some of the worst conditions and sleeping in a tent and you know, living off the land, that just absolutely sounds horrible. And I'm like, that was the best trip ever. You know, <laughs> it, was just, it was just a great time. And, and so, you know, those that, that, that haven't experienced it uh, just can't relate to it. That's all there is. There you go. There you go. Well, we're almost out of time here. One of the things I like to ask all of our guests um, is uh, – it's the same question I ask everybody. But basically – do you have any superstitions and what are your top three things that you must do or have at a match? And I'm not talking about gear. I'm not talking about a Kestrel. I'm not talking about, you know, binos or a spotting scope. I'm talking about things that you would consider that would make your match maybe a little bit better or things that are personal to you that you have to have before you go to a, a match. Man, you know, that's a that's a good question. I don't I don't have any superstitions. Um, you know, and, and besides the standard given, you know, rifle ammo, kestrel shooting bags, I don't have anything that I must have. Um, you know, at uh No lucky no. underwear, no gummy bears, no nothing. No. No lucky underwear. Um gosh, I got one for you. See. You have to have your dip. Oh yes, absolutely. I gotta have you have to have your dip. That that's a given. I think uh, there's been a couple times where uh, I, I've texted you on the road or called yes. in the road when I've been camping out in the middle of nowhere. Like, hey, Travis, stop at the gas station on your way back. I've done that to a couple different people, but uh, yeah. So that is a must-have. You're correct on that one. And nothing else. Nothing else. No, man. I'm pretty easy going, laid back. I just like to to show up and and have fun and and. Uh, 
yeah, those those superstitions. Uh, there's things that uh, you know I'm afraid of flying. That's why I drive to all these matches. I hate to fly anyway, and so you know I guess that's one thing. If if uh, you know there's any possible way I can can drive to a match, I'm going to do that. I'm going to throw five guns in there and two thousand rounds of ammo and a couple targets and and drive as opposed to fly. So I guess that would be the one thing I like to drive. And you know I I do some of these hunts and and you know obviously you're required to fly and have got to fly there and. Yeah, I'm not a fan, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. I'm the same way. That's why we got the war wagon, and you know, we just outward and bound on our own time. That's yep. There you go, buddy. So, Josh, it's been awesome having you on the show. It's been a long time coming. Um, it's truly been a pleasure to to get to know you over the past couple of years and be able to hang out with you so much. I'm very excited this next match, Nebraska next week. Um, I'm going to have the opportunity to finally meet your family and get everybody together and, and maybe do a dinner or something. I don't know what's out in that area. You're, you're more familiar with it than I am. But we'll have to get together and do something nice. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on, bud. Absolutely, sir. We appreciate you as well. For all you listeners out there, stay safe, keep shooting, and we'll see you at the range. <laughs>